The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I am the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Dr. Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. You know, we have been doing a lot of shows over the last few months, bringing in different experts who are who can talk about different subjects that I think can be beneficial to the listeners of this show. And uh, the last guest that I actually had or guest that I actually had, I had such a good time uh, talking with them that I asked them to come back to talk about a particular subject. So today we have, again, uh, Reverend Dieter Randolph and his wife, Jenny, and we're going to talk about <clears throat> why metaphysical Christianity is important in New Thought, the unity movement, and and the larger Christian community. And just to give a little bit of background uh, before I introduce them to uh, they actually started the website unitysociety.com. So if you haven't had an opportunity from the last time they were on a few weeks ago, make sure that you go on and make sure you check out that book, uh, Branching In, on Amazon.com. So, Dieter and Jenny, how are you doing? Uh, so good. So good and so happy to be back with you. We just had such a good time last time. We have been telling everybody about it. You know, it's we have this thing where we're supposed to do our book tour and there's things we're supposed to say when we talk to people and you were so kind and so welcoming, but we got through that in about five minutes and went on to the other stuff and it was so great to be able to do that. Yeah, I, I'm so happy to be back and when you asked us back, I was just, I was overjoyed. I was excited. I'm like, yes, let's go talk some more. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, obviously we want to make sure that we get that in. So, you know, obviously, you know, well, Offline, we had had, you know, a conversation about, you know, what is it that unity originally brought to the table? And I think the larger New Thought community in general, uh, when it came to Christian metaphysics, and I thought that that would be a really good topic to talk about. And, you know, we can break it up into, into bits and pieces, but I want to talk about unity for for a minute because obviously um, you all are in the unity movement, uh, in, and um, why is it important that metaphysical Christianity is still emphasized, first of all, in the unity movement? Then we'll talk about the other groups. Yeah, well, there's a few pieces of, of that. I mean, first of all, it, it has to do with, with history. I mean, even if you want to say that it's not important to our theology moving forward, and I don't say that, but even if somebody wants to say that, you have to say, look, Charles and Myrtle Fillmore, Dr. Katie, the, the, the initial people who got Unity going, who wrote the books that we still read, they were all using Christianity as the, as the cornerstone of what they were doing. So even if where you're starting is just a historical place, that's a good place to start. That's reason enough to dig into that. I understand that there are people that come from, you know, situations where they felt burned by traditional Christianity, sometimes literally, and all of that. But it's time to move past that and go, look, the people who started these ideas 
that have changed my life in one way or another, they were Jesus people. So maybe there's something worth looking at there, even if, once again, you're just starting with history. And I think that as we move into modern times and, and you know, know our history, you have to be able to speak the language that the fundamentalist Christians are speaking. You need to know your Bible and you need to know your Christianity in order to cross communicate with other with other people and ex- even to explain what unity or new thought is you have to be able to speak that language and so that that christianity and the, and that bible education i think is a cornerstone of us being taken seriously and of uh, for us to grow and for us to connect with people that maybe don't know who we are what the, what the heck we're talking about well yeah that's go ahead go right ahead I mean, yeah, yeah, that's a, that's a part of it. I mean, very few people are Unity babies like me. Most people came to Unity or to New Thought or to whatever from something else. And if you're in that boat, it may well be that you've got somebody in your family or somebody that you work with, somebody that's important to you who thinks you're in a cult. And, you know, that's that's not helpful for all kinds of reasons. But one of the things is, look, these ideas change your life so much that you changed your spiritual path. That's a big deal. You change what, you, what you're living, what you're reading about. It has done something for you. That person who thinks you're in a cult deserves some kind of exposure to something that means something to you. I mean, when you go to a restaurant you like, you want to tell your friends about it. So there's a, there's a level where if I can't talk to you and you think I'm in a cult because of something that you got in a Christian tradition, if I can't talk Christianity with you, as far as you're concerned, I'm still in the cult, and we got nothing to talk about, and that's not fair. Right, right. You know, one of the things that um, happened, I was in a conversation yesterday with a minister, a New Thought minister, and he had said that he had had a conversation with a fundamentalist um, apostolic uh, denomination minister. And, you know, and the minister asked a very sincere question. What is it that you all teach? <laughs> right. You know, and and I think that that question is is relevant because new thought, in my opinion, has a tendency to define itself by what it does not teach. Yes. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And it's it's so and yeah, if you went again using Dieter's restaurant analogy, if you go to a restaurant and you sit down and they start to tell you everything that they don't have. You're, you're not going to stay at that restaurant. Well, we don't have spaghetti and we don't have fried chicken and we don't have, you know, we don't have any seafood. And it's just like, well, what do you have? Well, you know, we have maybe a little bit of everything. And, well, I'm not sure what the chef is feeling today. So, you know, I'm just going to give you, you know, whatever whatever comes up. And I think for the average person that is coming and attending Unity Service or New Thought Services, to be able to define what we are is so important. So important. Well, and that's the thing, and I'm sure I'm sure we've all encountered this. That that well, what is it that you do on Sunday morning? What do you talk about? What do you believe in? Well, we're not like the Catholics because of X Y Z, and we're not like the Jewish people because of X Y Z, and we're not. Well, that's that's not what I asked you. What do you believe? And it's so funny. There's this desire to include everybody, which is a beautiful desire. But if I can't say what I am. I end up excluding everybody because all I'm saying is what I'm not. And so instead of building a bridge, I'm building a wall. Right, right. You know, I I think this point is extremely important because it's one of the things that I've been noticing in the New Thought Movement in general uh, is that uh, people aren't necessarily very clear about what it is that we teach. And And in my opinion, again, inconsistencies across the board. Uh, one of the things that, and I think I mentioned this the last time we talked, that um, you know, it's great to have the kumbaya, whole hands version of new <laughs> thought. I think that's great. Yeah. Not, a, I don't have a problem with that at all. I think we all need to learn how to love each other more. Yes, mm-hmm. that. But that wasn't the only thing that was taught, and I think that uh, sometimes people, you know, they emphasize an aspect of a particular theology or philosophy, and they don't necessarily take the rest. For instance. You know, the our, uh, Pentecostal brothers and sisters who branched out into what we now call word of faith took part of the prosperity message, not the whole thing, mm-hmm. but part of the prosperity message. And they evolved to what now people call the prosperity gospel. 
So yeah. when people hear New Thought people talk about prosperity, they assume we're talking what the word of faith people are talking about. And it's not. We're not. Now, is it similarities? Yes. Is it the same thing? No. But because the whole theology wasn't necessarily taught, what ends up happening is I've actually had to defend new thought versus how people perceived, quote unquote, the prosperity gospel. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. No, I know exactly yeah. what you're talking about. And it's it's a funny thing because the historical precedent was there. It, people people really latch on to this idea. It's so funny. It applies in unity, but I've seen it whenever somebody talks about new thought founders. They always say, oh, well, they didn't really want to start anything. They reluctantly started a church. They reluctantly started a, a religion. Well, I know, and I think every minister knows, that everything you do is work. Jenny and I started a storefront church when we were very young, and man, oh man, that there was nothing accidental about that. I was going to say, there was no accident. <laughs> that was work every day yeah. on purpose. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and I think it's easy to go back and, and make that excuse, oh, well, they didn't really want to, or, you know, the, the other thing <laughs> that's, that I... That's I've, so crazy to it me. It is, I know, it doesn't make any sense. But the other thing that I have heard is, well, I use I use unity or new thought as a supplement to my religion. Like it's some sort of add-on. Like it's or, a vitamin. Right, exactly. Or the other pet peeve that I have is, oh, well, you know, I just tell everybody I go to that hippie church. Oh, man, that drives me crazy. And, and it's like, I like the, the hippie mentality is fine. Let's right, like, like, he, like he said, the kumbaya. But, I love that. I love that it's, you know, peace, love, and, you know, and all of that. And it's great. But, but it de-emphasizes the actual work that these principles take. It takes you know, dedicated thought to live this way. It takes every moment to live in faith. It takes every moment to make sure that your prosperity principles are on point. Mm -hmm. And then when you falter to have some place to come back to. And so I, I resent the idea of just, it's just this free flow, free flow event when it actually really, you know, that the ideas are very simple and they're, but the work is is complex. Well, but that's the thing. We don't have some kind of boogeyman to blame things on. Right. And so it is, you know, if it is to be, it's up to me. And I want to be very clear. God is the, the power. I am I am the co-pilot. God's not the co-pilot. I wish that bumper sticker was worded a little bit differently. But, yeah. but, but <laughs> if it's going to happen in my life, I've got to be the channel for it happening. This is work. This is religion for grown-ups, you know. Right. But uh, it's, it's, if you look at the history of unity— at the very beginning, early on, Charles and Myrtle were very clear. Look, we have to say what it is we believe in. They got Dr. K to write Lessons in Truth very early on because they needed to be able to say, here's what it is that we're doing. Before, right. there, was a, before there was a building, Charles and Myrtle published Modern Thought Magazine, as I'm sure you know. And early on, Charles wrote a little statement and he said, look, we love everybody and we're open to everybody, but we're going to be very clear about what kind of advertisers we allow. And you can look at there's a book called The Story of Unity. You can look it up in there. It's a great history book anyway. But there's that part in it where Mr. Fillmore says, if you're doing and I'm not going to point out the stuff because that's not the point. But if you're doing these other kinds of things, we love you and we bless you. But that's not what we're going to allow for advertising in modern thought. So from the very beginning, there was this this idea to keep things clear. And Charles Fillmore in 1921 published a really long statement of faith. Here's what we believe in. Yeah, I have that. I, matter of fact, I remember showing um, Reverend Coleman uh, that statement because by the time she even came, by the time she came to the unity in the early 50s, they weren't using it. Mm, that's it was, right. <laughs> and, and so when I showed it to her, I ended up having um, getting some work that was co collected by Reverend Oral Evans. Was it Oral? Can't remember his last name now. His, last, his first name was Oral. He did this, uh, the Jesus Christ Gospel according to Charles and Myrtle Fillmore. He did. Oh, um, wow. uh, I'll hook you up on it later. We'll talk. I like later. that. Very I, I'll, I'll hook you up. <laughs> I, got, I, I have things. <laughs> I, I know people. I've been, in, you know, I know people. But anyway, so I, I printed it out for her, and she looked at it. And she looked at me. and She said, "Where did you get this from?" And I, and I told her. And, uh, and it was a mutual friend of a friend uh, who gave me a lot of day, old school unity data of old books, pamphlets, things of that nature, all on the CD-ROM. 
Oh like, man, that's gold. like gold to me. That's like yeah. gold. You know, so th- you know, this was you know, you know, early two thousands, two thousand three, maybe. Mm-hmm. And, and and when as I was reading this, I said, you know what? He made it very clear. This is what we stand for. Mm-hmm. You know? And I think that that's it's necessary because when you don't clearly define who you are, people don't know how to connect, and people have a sense of belonging, even though the most independent people are like I don't want to be connected to anything. Uh, Sometimes that in and of itself is belonging to a group. I belong to the group that doesn't isn't connected. That doesn't exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I tell right. all the time that like, atheists have a position about God. Yes, there, right. yes. Oh, there is there is a great book called "Life Too Short to Pretend You're Not Religious," <laughs> and it's it's not written by a Unity person or a New Thought person, but it's by a guy named David Dark D A R K. Great book, and basically what he says is everybody's religious. You have religious ideas about all kinds of things. You have religious ideas about what movies you like because all a religion is is a religion is about what you do. Spirituality is about how you feel, and religion is about what you do. Those are both important. you got people that don't feel any way about anything, but they're all about action, and that's like running around like a chicken with your head cut off. And there are people who only have a belief and they don't do anything about it. You need both. And so when people say I'm spiritual, but I'm not religious, I want to say, well, what do you mean by that? Because if if all it means is I don't do anything and I'm just feeling, it really kind of means you're in receive only mode and everybody's been there, but it's time to come out of the wilderness because we got a whole world to change. Right, right, right. It does make a difference. It does make a difference. I want to let people know because we're about three and a half minutes from the break that if you want to call in uh, to ask a question or make a comment, you can call in at 888-558-6489. Again, the number is 888-558-6489. Um, I do want, you know, before we go to break, I did want to bring up this this one point that I thought was, was really good. One of the things that... um. New Thought is not necessarily, in my opinion, doing a great job of, of late consistently is is the metaphysical Bible interpretation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it used to be something that we laid our hat on. Um, matter of fact, when I came to Christ Universal Temple, it was one of the things that Reverend Coleman was just known for. She would do the she would like literally take some of the old classic Elizabeth Turner, Elizabeth Sand Turner books. Mm-hmm. And she would turn them into sermons. She would do Paul's missionary journeys or Sunday sermons. Wow. You know, and like, like literally go, she went to this, he, Paul went to this city, meaning the word of truth now travels to this state of consciousness and it works through these aspects of the body, et cetera, et cetera. She's preaching this on the platform. Oh, I love the it. pulpit. She was teaching 12 powers in the, from my understanding, what people were telling me when I came along, she was teaching on the sermons, but she was doing this in the fifties and sixties when unity was telling people, don't teach that. That's yeah. advanced. And she well, was like, yeah. no, that's her, that's her style though. Anyway, isn't it? That's awesome. Yeah. Like, oh. you're not going to tell me what to do. You know, you know, but, but the reason why I think that's important is because I remember early on, being a new person at CUT and one of the early series that really caught my attention, it caught my attention because it made me uneasy. <laughs> the title of the lesson series was you are to be equal with Jesus. Wow. Yeah. She basically taught your hope of glory. For okay. The, yeah. The, basically the whole book. Now, now if you, I didn't know that then I know that now that she was taking each aspect of Jesus's life as outlined in that book. And was teaching sermons on them. And, you know, the miracles, the parables, the, you know, Jesus went here, Jesus did that, you know, et cetera. And, and, and it's a tradition that we carry forth to this day. You know, at our church, we still do the seven last words of Jesus every year on Good Friday, metaphysically interpreted. We do metaphysical Palm Sunday, meta- resurrection, et cetera. Mm-hmm. In other words, don't run away from it. Um, right. You know, and if we don't run away from it, what ends up happening is it gives us the opportunity to reevaluate and look at what we can do with the scriptures. And it gives us a consistent methodology that can be communicated to other brands of Christianity and other people who might not, quote unquote, be connected to any religious organization or any religious belief in general. So I think that that's really important. We're coming up to about 20 seconds to our break. So let me 
that number again. We can put the pin there. So I know you all probably want to jump in on that now. But <laughs> 888-558-6489. 888-558-6489. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Wouldn't you like to share the programs that inspire you most with audiences around the world? That's easier than ever with mobile giving. Just text Unity Radio to 72727 and help us continue offering spiritual programs that change lives. Weather forecasters can provide guesstimates based on scientific data, but in the end, we cannot know with absolute certainty what the weather will be until we live it. Life works the same way. We may think we know what's going to happen, expecting the best while preparing for the worst. We can keep a positive frame of mind and weather any storm because we are one with the ever-present miracle-working power of God. We are mightier than any circumstance on this earth because we are divine in nature and a part of the eternal. We live in a world where we can realize our possibilities because we know that with God all things are possible. And the way to keep our hearts and minds centered and focused on divine potentialities is through prayer. As author Frances W. Folks wrote in her book, Effectual Prayer, If the time of achievement seems long, pray. If the way seems dark, pray. If the results seem delayed, pray. Morning, noon, and night, pray. Pray without ceasing. This Mindful Moment is brought to you by Daily Word magazine. For more than 90 years, Daily Word has helped people of all faiths live healthy, prosperous, and meaningful lives. Take advantage of our 30-day free trial of the digital edition. You'll receive access to the online magazine, a daily email with the Word for the Day, and the Daily Word app. To sign up for the 30-day free trial, visit unityonlineradio.org slash dailyword. It is the birthright of each and every one of us to live an awakened life. Most religions and spiritual traditions teach us that we need to adopt a certain belief system or follow some prescribed steps to attain a state of enlightenment. A long-held belief about awakening is that only a small number of people destined to become gurus or spiritual teachers can attain it. It is certainly true that until recent times, only a small number of people on the planet had attained this state of full self-realization. These saints, mystics, and spiritual masters were seen as special. They certainly were at the time. However, times are changing. This message was brought to you by T.J. Woodward, host of Awakened Living Radio. Learn more from T.J. on his weekly podcasts. Episodes are available on unityonlineradio.org, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. We have a caller on the line, uh, uh, the Reverend uh, uh, Robert Yarbrough, as I just like to call him, Reverend Bobby. Uh, Reverend Bobby, are you there? Reverend Bobby, you call me Reverend Pop. Cut it out. I know that. I didn't want to say that on. Uh, have I said that on the radio? Well, actually, I do call him Reverend Pops when I see him. So <laughs> let me just go ahead and just put that out there. Okay, so uh, Reverend Pops, are you? <laughs> go ahead with your question. I'm here. I love good morning, it. good morning, Reverend Galen. Good morning, Reverend Jenny. Reverend Dieter. And and I had more of a of a um you know comment perspective to share. You know, as we, you know, share who we are and what we do, and I think the important, the importance of metaphysics is the understanding that the the, the underlying understanding that we get from the scriptures and the perspectives and the principles. I know that when I'm out um, in orthodox situational things, as we would call it, and people ask me, am I saved? And, you know, I have a little bit of fun with them, and I ask them, saved for what from what? And they don't know what to say. And and they don't know what to say. 
But 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 if we take you know concepts like let's just take the uh, second coming of Christ where people expect this man to drop down out the clouds and stuff where where we know it's the the returning to our wholeness the returning to um um you know us living from that Christic consciousness of oneness mm-hmm. then then it means and you know what I'm, I'm finding that. It resonates with people. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I actually have a really funny story about the the uh, second coming story. Um, uh, the last time we were on the show, we talked about my past, and my past when I was a kid was just full of. I my parents were spiritual seekers, so I've been Mormon and Baptist and Assemblies of God and all of that. And I remember I was probably about six or seven years old. And, you know, they were they were always preaching about second coming, second coming. And so you weren't allowed to, if you look back for your family members or anything like that, you were going to be left. And the other thing is that you, you know, I was told you needed to be prepared for Jesus to come at any moment. So when I was little, I would get in and out of the bath really fast because I did not want Jesus to come when I was naked. Because I knew that if I looked back for my clothes or anything, and so, you know, but... But as you get older, it's like you really sort of start to understand. And I think it's so important that we have this metaphysical interpretation, especially for our young people. Dieter and I do a lot of work with teenagers. And so those memories for me of the terror, you know, of Jesus's second coming, um, you know, I want to make sure that the kids don't feel that and, and that we teach proper you know, interpretation of that. So I love that so much. Well, and even even without the metaphysical part of it, which is so important, but even without that, the whole ministry of Jesus Christ had to do with getting free from personality, getting free from ego stuff. Jesus said over and over again, the works I do, you shall do also. When he talked about God, he said, our father. And he said to, you know, your faith has made you well. In fact, there's sort of a recurring theme where the disciples would say, oh, well, Jesus can fix it because he's different. And Jesus would say, guys, come on. I'm paraphrasing a little bit. Guys, come on. This is our fault. This this is our work that you can do. And in fact, after Easter, he comes back for a short time, as you know, and he says, I can't be here with you, basically, because as long as I'm here, you're never going to grow. You're never going to fix it. It's the same reason the sheriff rides off into the sunset at the end of every Western, because now it's your time to clean up this town. You know, that sort of thing. And so for Jesus to say that over and over again, it's not about me. It's our father. It's your your power, your connection with our father, that whole thing for him to say that and for him to say, you can't do this as long as I'm here. And then for people to turn around and immediately want him to come back is so funny to me when you really think about it. It's well, contrary you know, to one, one thing I used to say, I said, where is he going to come back? In the barrio in L.A., tatted up. You know how. Well, that's the other thing is is a lot of times the people that are waiting for him to come back, if he came back looking like he looked back then, they wouldn't let him in the door. Right. Yeah. That's right. Well, thank you That's for right. your time, uh, Reverend Dieter, Reverend Jenny, uh, Reverend Galen McDowell. It's always a pleasure. I'll see you soon. Thank right, you, everybody. <laughs> Take care. So, <laughs> so as as you know, jumping in on on things like the Second Coming, et cetera, I think it's many things that um, people can do and look at and see how we work with metaphysical concepts. You know, and at Christ Universal Temple and in the Universal Foundation for Better Living, when we teach our quote-unquote fundamental classes, the first class we call it Basic Truth Principles 1, uh, which is, for us, is Alternatives by William Fisher and okay. uh, New Thought Christian by William Warch. Nice. And then Basic Truth 2 is Lessons in Truth because, you know, it's – it's a little bit older language, et cetera. Uh, yeah. but it, and, you know, so we try to lay down some foundations. But one of the reasons why we do the part one, we use alternatives is because alternatives says these are tradi- what we call now traditional fundamentalist Christian concepts. And these are the metaphysical alternatives. Mm-hmm. And I think that's important for a person that's walking into studying new thought, because even if they don't want to, there, they. If you're in the United States of America, or the Western culture in general, you have been 
raised and steeped in the Judeo-Christian world, even if you don't know it. It is important to recognize that you have concepts that are based upon that. Uh, even yeah. if you don't, if you're not a Christian, you have a belief about Jesus. Well, and that's instance. the thing. You are, you are, if you're in the Western culture at all, you are in the context of the Judeo-Christian tradition, even if you're not. Right. And so, yeah, you got to speak the language to some extent. Right, right. So um, when uh, in dealing with metaphysics, I wanted to get your viewpoint on a term that I started to use about a decade ago. Um, I call it developing metaphysical eyes. Okay. And the, 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 uh, the, I used to have these conversations with the late, um, Reverend Dr. Mary Tumpkin, uh, that, um, yeah, uh, very powerful, uh, powerful preacher, you know, in in her heyday pound for pound, Mm -hmm. she, she was, she was, she was the best preacher in new thought. I'm far teaching Bible. So she had no peer in my opinion. Um, Uh, and we would talk about this particular term because she heard me say it on a conference call one day. And I said, well, it's something I tell my students that when you are studying truth, new thought, but, you know, use truth as, as, you know, as a, as a synonym, one of the things that you start to develop when you learn the techniques and principles around it is metaphysical eyes. So you have to learn how to develop them. Mm-hmm. And to be able to see the scripture and see the principle in action, yes. not mm-hmm. characters, not historical figures per se, but actually what do these characters symbolize in consciousness? And we would have this debate because, and I'm giving you context and please jump in after I give this context because <laughs> the debate that I would have even with her was, that I love the term metaphysical Bible interpretation, but mm-hmm. the term metaphysical was has been hijacked by folks who represent it, all type of stuff. You go to the metaphysical section in a bookstore, and you might bump in it. Lord knows anything. Yes, right, 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 right. Masters and all, yeah, yeah. all yeah. type UFOs. of stuff. You know, <laughs> yeah, werewolves, all type of stuff. And and so she would like to use the term allegorical. Mm-hmm. And what I was saying, I was like, well, I think it's a difference between allegorical and metaphysical. Um, but but I think that the reason why I didn't want to give away the term metaphysical to others is because you have to lay claim to, to a term that's yours without necessarily giving it away. She liked allegorical because she was she you know, she was a, she was a Bible scholar. I mean, that was her doctorate. And when right. she would talk to people, they didn't understand metaphysical. But when she was talking to fellow scholars, professors, et cetera, they understood allegorical. Mm-hmm. And right. so it was a larger conversation. So I guess the term for her was 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 fluid, more fluid than me. But the overall theme was still the same. How do right. you develop metaphysical eyes as a ministry? How do you all help people develop metaphysical eyes? Oh, man, there's there's so much in there. Um, First of all, I. She's right in a way because allegorical is the academically correct term. There's right. no question about that. And actually, the word metaphysical comes from Aristotle, the right. philosopher. Who, he wrote a book called The Physics, which is all about physical world, science sort of stuff. And then he wrote another book about everything else, and it was called The Metaphysics. And all that word means is after the physics, which is like it's the next book, right. which is kind of funny. So it, it, he didn't have a particular weight placed on it. And we're in the other problem, as you mentioned, where – when a word ends up meaning a whole bunch of things, it ends up not meaning anything in particular. So it's right. tricky. But you're right. We're talking about something very specific. And I am definitely in favor of reclaiming our language. Right. You know, I was just going to say I'm, that. A, I'm a big believer, for example, in the word church. There are some people in unity that don't like the word. And for me, it's like, look, I understand that there are churches where people do bad things. But you know what? If I go to a restaurant and I get food poisoning, it doesn't mean all restaurants are bad. I need to go to better restaurants. You know well, what I mean? Well, there's this trend that we're seeing, in, and especially churches in Florida, it's not a church, it's a spiritual campus. It's not a church, it's a it's a center. It's a, you know, and, and it's like, I we feel the same way that you feel about metaphysics as about the way, you know, the word church, because we think, no, we need to reclaim that, because we go to church, and, yeah. and we mm-hmm. need to redefine what that means for people, you know, because I just, I don't know. I just think we have to. Yeah, well, <laughs> if, I, if I say, well, a lot of people don't like restaurants, so I'm going to open a food center. And we don't have a menu, yeah. but yeah. 
but we do have a list of things that we serve. Well, it's like, okay, come on now. You know, and I understand we want to welcome everybody. We want to keep the doors open as wide as possible. So there's a sweet idea there, but I'm not sure how it's best executed. Now, as far as helping people develop that view, it is absolutely something that you have to work on. But for me, when, when you were talking, it made me think of, well, it made me think of the Bible. It made me think of that part where Jesus says to the disciples, who do those people say I am? And they mention a lot of external things. You've almost, you, you can almost imagine that the disciples were saying, well, here's how tall you are. You know, here's where you're from. And those things are factual, but they're not the truth with the capital T. And Jesus says, who do you say I am? And you know this part. Peter, the disciple who represents faith, says, I say that you are the Messiah, the living Christ, and all of that. And there's the quote. This is the part I was thinking of. Jesus says, blessed are you because flesh and blood, in other words, outer stuff, hasn't revealed this to you, but Mm -hmm. my Father in heaven. And that's the part where Jesus says, on this rock I will build my church. In other words, we start with a foundation of faith, that power to see past appearances. This absolutely is the cornerstone. If you don't have that, you don't have anything. And I love that because Jenny and I are talking from our city. Our town is St. Petersburg. So this is the town of St. Peter. This is where we are. This is where we're building our church. But anyway, how you develop that has to do with, well, it depends on the person. If you are a Bible person, you can quote what I just quoted. But more than that, you can say, excuse me, I'm sorry. More than that, you can say, look, when you really think about it, every Part of your life is a faith exercise. Think about the faith it takes when you put your money in the bank (laughs) or when you're driving down the street. You know, Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. And it doesn't take long to really look around and realize there's a big hunk of life that you don't have proof of. Well, just starting your car, the combustion engine, for crying out loud. Yeah, I mean, something is firing, and you're just like, okay, yeah, let's just roll with this. And you do that how many times a day? Because you just have faith that that's gonna that that's gonna work, you know. So um, yeah. without without any real information about how the engine works. I mean, I'm sure there's people in the world that know how it works, but it doesn't but make not, you a better not driver. The average, right? Exactly. You don't have to know how spark plugs work in order to be a good driver. Right. Right. And so what this is about is, is I would say that a big hunk of it for people is start where you are because we increase what we praise. So take a minute and think about all of the areas in your life where you are working and walking by faith and work from there. Start really exercising that muscle. There are things. And in fact, all of the things that are important are the things that you take on faith. How do you know when you're in love? You can't prove that. How do you know when something's beautiful? You can't have an equation for beauty or truth or justice. Not really. These are all things that you cannot do in a logical way. And those are the things that make us who we are. And so when you really know that, you can start using those eyes to look at the other things that you didn't know it about. But I yeah. also think I also think that we have to start with our children. Um, I think that we are we need more time and attention spent on our kids teaching them Bible right out of the gate. Yeah. You know, my kids my kids know it because I you know we homeschooled both of our kids and they knew it and Bible was part of it and that metaphysical and it becomes the, that development of the metaphysical eyes and seeing it starts young. And so by the time that they get there, they can speak the language. I think a lot of times what I have seen is, you know, they use it for an hour of babysitting in the back instead of actually the kids going to Sunday school. I think, you know, I, I think that that is absolutely. And again, when we start with our teens, they know the 12 powers, at least when they're around me, they better know the 12 powers. And, you know, so, so we, we work really, really a lot with that. Um, and, and the kids that have come across us in the last, you know, 12 years or so, they can go away and actually know what unity stands for. And so I think just like every other religion in the country, you teach your kids pretty soon in a generation, you're going to have educated people that know what the heck they're talking about. Right, right. It, it's, it starts early. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I do think that that's one of the main things we have to always focus on. And, when you don't focus on the youth and making sure that they have it, um, I think that um, new thought because we have less, not, we have fewer 
you know, literal members in our churches, mm-hmm. uh, when they go away and don't know the, the principles, it impacts us even more. Because, yes. for instance, everybody knows what it's like to have church youth go away to college or become young adults, et cetera, get their teenage years and kind of become disassoci- disassociated with church. Mm-hmm. And But it's a larger pool pool to pull from when you're a fundamentalist or a Catholic yes. versus being a unity or science of mind centers for spiritual living or divine science international or universal foundation for better living. When our kids go leave and then they are not necessarily grounded in a the theology, what ends up happening is uh, most of the time they end up at somebody else's church and learning things that are really inconsistent with anything they grew up learning, which is totally fine. But many times it's because they didn't know what they grew up in. I want to put a pin there for a moment because we got to take our second break. And please jump in right there. Okay. All right, let's take our uh, last break. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Just like life, grief is a journey, not a destination. Whether it is loss of life, relationship, security, or simply the process of change, have you given yourself permission to begin your journey of grief? Have you yielded to the gift of grace? Join Reverend Chaz Wesley every Thursday at 5 p.m. Central on a virtual navigation from grief to grace and explore new horizons of empowerment, significance, and support only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. I'll light a candle in your name. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion. You've been listening to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. If you have questions or comments about today's program, or if you'd like to join in on the discussion, email us at truthtransforms at unity.fm. Now back to Truth Transforms. All right, welcome back to Truth Transforms. I'm interviewing Dieter and Jenny Randolph, uh, who created the Unity Society. You can go to unitysociety.com to get more information on them and their work and their ministry, uh, literature, et cetera, et cetera. So um, Dieter and Jenny, we stopped off at the teenagers uh, in the New Thought Movement, not necessarily being well-grounded in what we teach and how many times they end up in other uh, denominations or religions that are theologically inconsistent with new thought. Do you have any thoughts about that? Oh, boy, oh, boy, do we. As as you know from talking last time, Jenny and I met when we were teens at the Youth of Unity. So this is a special place in our heart for sure. And uh, we have uh, gone back to be sponsors at the teen retreats and sponsors of our teens locally and all that. And so it really means a lot. As you mentioned, there is in every religious tradition, there's a drop off when kids graduate high school, when they get to that age, because they're moving, because they're experimenting with new ideas. They're away from familiar things, the whole thing. Every religious tradition has that. But in unity, it is such a dramatic drop off. It's there's no comparison in any other tradition that that I've gotten data for. And I have researched this for years and years. And just as you said, it's totally fine if people make other choices. But the thing is, they have to make that choice based on actual information. And a lot of times what we're finding from talking to the kids themselves is they don't feel that they've got the information about what it is that unity, that new thought actually talks about. And that's where the challenge is. We feel so strongly about it that Jenny and I host our own teen retreats. We do three of them a year. And at the end of that, boy, you better believe you walk out of there with a better understanding of what it means to be a unity person. It's huge for us. 
Um, Beautiful. You mentioned uh, 12 Powers a little bit ago, and that's uh, that's an important book for all kinds of reasons. But one of the reasons it's important for this conversation is that's where you see that Charles Fillmore quote where he says, a statement outlining the beliefs of a religion is essential. But, Mm -hmm. here's the but, but compelling clauses must be omitted. So in other words, what he's saying is you got to be able to say what you believe in, but you got to leave out what he calls the compelling clauses. In other words, I have to be able to tell you what I believe, but I cannot tell you what you have to do about it. Right. And that's the difference. That's the difference between doctrine and dogma, for example. Right. Right. Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I think one of the things that's really important about the teens in particular, learning new thought at an early age is it changes their conversation. You know, I can remember having um, uh, my daughter, uh, who's now 17, about to turn 18, uh, Angel. She used to debate with her uh, maternal grandparents Mm -hmm. about the Bible. And it used to be funny to me because I had to just tell her, like, stop doing that because, <laughs> but you know, they're, you know, they're old school Mississippi and, uh, you know, you know, being from the African American culture and down South parents, grandparents, et cetera, in certain ways you don't debate, you don't debate them. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. You know, they yeah, weren't yeah, exactly. eating her or anything like that. It's just a respect <laughs> thing. Sure. And, you know, I was like, you know, cause you like, you know, as soon as the, you know, Jesus, when Jesus come back, granddaddy, Jesus not coming back. You know, <laughs> you know, you know, you're nine years old and you're debating your grand, you know, your grandfather, your grandmother, you know, about it. You know, there's no hell, you know, devil's not real and all this type of stuff. And they're looking like, you know, looking at me like, what are you teaching her? So, <laughs> so, but, but, the, but, so I was just like, stop. I just had to stop it because at that age I had her reading, uh, the Simple Truth by uh, Richard and Mary Alice Jafola. Oh, yes. that's such a yeah. good book for it is, kids. It is a great book for kids. Yeah. Right. And, you know, so for me, you know, early on, you know, I would, you know, read to her, you know, early before she could read Daily Word for Family. That was the thing that I would read to her every night before her mother and I uh, divorced. And and it, so it, it was being it was it, she was getting it differently. And. Mm-hmm. It was just my intention, like, okay, even if you might not be able to explain it, you know, because, you know, typical teenager. And I was like, okay, what do you teach about this, this, and this? She's not always as fast as I want her to respond. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but it's, time, get it, they get it's it in their bones a little bit. You know? But it's they, in her bones, right? It's in her character. It's in the way she moves and acts, thinks. It's her yes. worldview. And she, and she doesn't even realize it's her worldview now. Exactly. And that helps. You know? Yeah, it absolutely helps. And, and again, you you know the thing is is for for us in new thought and in unity um it's so important you know you don't you most people's exposure to other religion like for example the jewish faith and stuff you don't know it by you know going to synagogue with people you know it because you might go to school or you might work with a jewish person and so it's so important for us like you said, to have the kids have it in their bones because that's how other people are exposed to our religious views. You don't know the Catholic person because you go, you know, to mass all the time. You know it because you talk to them in the grocery store. You might be neighbors with them, you know, and and so we have to. It has to be in their bones. It has to be from a young age because that's how other people are going to know who we are. Yeah, I don't need people to quote lessons in truth word for word, although I like that. I don't need people to do that. What I need people to do is have a sense of what it means to live like a unity person. That's my goal, you know, and so that we can live in that all the time. It's not just a Sunday morning thing. And that's the thing. If you don't know what you believe in, it's only a Sunday morning thing, because if I don't have it in me, then I got to go get it all the time. And that means that church is a place where I go and I get prayed up and then I walk away and I'm no different. And that's not good enough. Right, right, right. So uh, one of the things that um, I want to use the last five minutes or so talking about is how do we better evangelize this metaphysical brand of Christianity? Because we're in, we're in the larger, again, Western, Western Judeo-Christian context. How do we evangelize and let people know this is what we this is what we do, this is what we're about, and this is why it can benefit you? 
this metaphysical Bible interpretation and approach? Well, I think the first step, and I know Dieter's chomping at the bit. I'm looking at him right here. So I'm just going to say this one thing. I think the first thing is that we have to stop being afraid of offending people. I think we have to come up with a statement of faith. I think we have to stand for something. And I think we have to get our house in order and, and actually come to agreement about this is what we're going to say. And you know what? If you get offended by it, you can go look someplace else. And that's fine. We're not saying that anything else is bad. But I think we have to say this is what we believe. We have to have something for people to hang their hat on. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I love that. I think that that's a big part of it. Be able to articulate it. But I think that so much of it is we got to work on changing the consciousness around validation versus challenge. Do you go to church to be told everything's okay? Or do you go to church to be challenged? And let's get to the place where it is okay to challenge each other. Mm-hmm. You know, I love that part where, where Jesus basically says, did you think I was here to make it okay for you? I came not to bring peace, but a sword. In other words, I'm going to challenge the heck out of you because you're going to grow that way. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about, you know, after, after the whole thing, after Easter is over, and Peter and John are trying to figure out what to do about this. And they're in Roman jail. And you can only imagine, the Romans were good at being mean to each other, you know. And the Romans are saying, basically, stop doing this. And Peter and John get out of jail, and the first thing they do is go to church, and they pray. And I love that part because I think about what would I pray for? Because might, you might pray for, can I please get away with this? Or can the Romans be nicer to me? Or can I just find a way out? But they pray, the Bible says they pray for boldness. Mm-hmm. And I love that because that's what we need. Let's be brave about these ideas. We don't have to get in people's faces. We don't have to make people feel bad. But the thing is, telling the truth is what's loving. If I let you not know what I stand for, I'm kind of telling you a lie. And that mm-hmm. is not love. Right. Right. And, and I think that one of the things that's really challenging for folks is saying, well, people, uh, this is too heavy for people to accept. No, it's not. No. Um, you know, I tell people all the time that folks can go and present to people ideas. You know, for instance, anybody that's done any research knows that the fastest growing church is the uh, Mormons, the Church of Latter-day Saints. Yep. And they're going around telling people not throwing. I don't have a position on it one way or another. I just want to make sure that people really understand that Jesus came back to uh, Native Americans and he taught them and they created a, a new gospel called the Book of Mormon that a man who was visited by an angel was told to look into a hat and interpret these these scripts or texts that he wrote down. The originals got destroyed. He had to go back look into the hat again to get it and then there's no proof of any of it right they go around the world and teach people that yeah exactly and and we can tell people people, we can't teach people how to live better lives yeah Yeah, exactly exactly and and the thing is is yeah but but it's 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 that boldness it's that it you know stop worrying about offending people and live this stuff and live the way that you're supposed to and speak these truths and stand for something for crying out loud yeah. yeah, I think, you know, I don't need people to memorize Charles Fillmore's 1921 Statement of Faith. Just start with this. God is good. You are good. Go do some good. Start with that and see where that takes you. You know, that's the beginning of the conversation. Well, then how is God good? Well, here's why. Let's talk about it. Or, well, how does that mean I'm good? Well, let's talk about it. Then let's go do something about it. And I think you need all three of those elements. Right. Right. So, you know, we're wrapping up to about a minute left now, so we're going to have to wrap it up. Um, I want to thank you all again. You know, uh, uh, probably down the line sometime later this year, probably gonna have to have you on again because I still want I still have stuff I want to talk about. Yes. sir. Uh, uh, so. So. Uh, and if something works, I say keep doing it. Uh, you know, so I, but the bottom line that I really wanted to get across was make sure that this better living message. You know, I think that, you know, um, well, Reverend Coleman, who was, who was an ordained unity minister who founded her own organization, but never stopped teaching what she learned. I think she intentionally named her organization's Better Living, Christ Universal Temple for Better Living is the yeah. name of is our actual corporate name. We just use Christ Universal Temple because the name is kind of long. Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, you know, but 
it says a lot when a person picks up a bulletin it's in your church the name of your church is better for better living yeah right. and i think that that's what it's really about because i might not understand all of the things that go along with theology and philosophy but i do want to do better mm-hmm. and i think that's if it. we can figure out a way to get that out into the world that new thought teaches people how to get better i think you will be beating people uh, out of the door because people will be coming in as long as we can deliver on the promise amen right. yeah i love that yeah i love that we're working on it <laughs> all right all right so thank you all god bless you um you all are my new buddies now right. and so let, let's get this work and let's get it done and do the things that we need to do so thank you all god bless you to all the listeners we'll be with you next week with truth transforms thank, thank you. you thank you for tuning in to truth transforms with reverend galen mcdowell Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Tucked away in the Unity Library archives in Unity Village, Missouri, you can find a secret treasure. They are the scripts from Unity co-founder Charles Fillmore's early days on broadcast radio. The teachings of Unity's founders, almost a 100 years old. Now, for the first time in history, you can hear them through the power of the Internet. Join Bob Brock every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern, for Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Discover the wisdom of Charles Fillmore's talks and of other Unity Radio speakers read on the air again. Call in your comments and questions as Bob and his special guests revisit Unity Radio talks of the past, along with historical background from the early days of the Unity movement. That's Unity Classic Radio. Words from our past. Every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Right here on Unity FM. The voice of an awakening world. In this constantly changing world, life and personal values can seem more than a little unstable. Just when you think you have it all figured out, then everything changes. Sometimes life can seem overwhelming. Well, the good news is you can change your life. You have within you the power to learn how to flow with the changes and smooth out the bumps of life. You can experience the joy, peace, health, and abundance you deserve. You were created to be happy and productive. That urge to grow and express yourself was put there for a reason. Learn the spiritual principles that can help you not just to survive, but thrive in this changing world. At Unity, we'd like to help you do just that. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org. Ever notice that there might be something not quite right but you just can't put your finger on it? We may describe it as an inner stirring, a restlessness, a yearning to find our way home to our heart and higher purpose. Some of us may feel like we are living on borrowed time, that despite our accomplishments, what was once so important to us now just feels empty and meaningless. If you find your heart longing, wanting, Looking for a path home to authenticity and purpose? Join us for transformation, inspiration, hope, and possibility. Move toward your higher calling. Listen to The Call of Spirit with Evelyn Foreman and tune in to Possibility every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Central Time 
here on Unity Online Radio. Life is hard, and sometimes you need a little help and guidance. I'm Laura West, host of a Guided Life podcast, and I believe that help is all around us. We just have to ask for it. The universe has a way of guiding us forward with the help of our past loved ones, angels, spirit guides, and ascended masters. On the podcast, I love to explore these ideas with incredible guests and let people know that they are never alone. Make sure you subscribe and follow so you can join me on this journey. Part of the mindbodyspirit.fm network and wherever you get your podcasts. 